Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. On this episode of The Kindness Project, feminism, Twitter bios, and we have part two of our interview with Lauren Janus. Welcome to The Kindness Project. Uh, are you doing the intro first or am I doing no, you the go intro? First, you go first. Okay. I am joined by a girl who, according to her Twitter bio, is full of chicken scratches and lost inspiration. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's my Twitter What bio. does that mean? No, it sounded right when I made my Twitter. Okay, fair enough. And you're joined by... Um, what do you get when you mix feminism and family values? It's Chris James. <laughs> Femini- what do you get when you mix feminism and family, family values? It's Chris James. How can I not? Be a, I'm, I wouldn't pretend I'm a 100% feminist, but you've got to, if you have daughters, you have got to make sure you're supporting them to think that they can do anything they want in the world, yep. I think. But I do think family values are important. Yes. So I do mix feminism and family values and some fun and some frolics. And I'm trying to think of another F that works, but none, none does. Um, can I ask you a question? <laughs> yeah. So my values are fun, frolics, flamboyancy, um, family values, feminism, and <laughs> I can't swear. Um, so I'm not going to say anything else. So um, tell me about what a chicken scratch is and a lost inspiration is. Uh, I think I wrote chicken scratch because my handwriting was... Eesh. But it was something that I, it was the way I wrote, so it kind of made sense for me. Okay. And also, like, sometimes it Can you explain the word, eesh? <laughs> what does the word, eesh, mean? No, it's not, <laughs> no, it's not about the sound itself, it's how you interpret it. Oh, right, okay. Eesh. Right, so what is, how, how should I interpret <laughs> well, how are you currently interpreting Eesh. I don't know. I thought it meant uh, just give me 20 years in a shovel. <laughs> right. So, listeners, if you haven't listened to last uh, last week's podcast, Charlotte's got a new catchphrase, <laughs> and it's amazing. Uh, I asked her how she'd get to the core of the earth, because apparently that's a place she wants to visit, and she went, just give me 20 years in a shovel. <laughs> I th- genuinely, I didn't think it was that easy. Just 20 years and a shovel is all it takes to get to the core of the earth. I mean, if, I, if I've got enough determination and enough friends. Yeah, but what you'd have to share the shovel if you only had one. I don't think you'd be able to do it with just one shovel. They'd have to bring their own shovel. Oh, right. Right. Yeah but, yeah, but you didn't say, give me 20 years, a shovel, some friends with shovels, a JCB, an industrial digger, a drill. You said, all I need, all yeah, I that's need... That's not as catchy, is it? No, that's true. Um, all I need is 20 years and a shovel. That's what you said. 20 all years, a shovel and some good connections. All right, okay. Including one with uh, TFL, because who, who, they dug some tunnels recently. I'll use their drill to get down there. 20 years in a industrial sized tunnel dr- digging drill okay so um, where can our listeners get in touch with us Hollow Kindness that's on Twitter I think O-M-G use the H just for you my oh, thank you thank you so it's at Holla H-O-L-A Kindness on Twitter uh, on email Holla at the 
Find this for the dog with the H or without H. Does it matter anymore? It does. It does matter. It, does, it definitely matters how you spell an email address because that means some email addresses, emails are getting through and some won't. It's H O L A at. No, does it matter whether we pronounce it or not anymore? People understand. All right, okay. So it's at holla at the kindness project dot co dot uk. And uh, have we got Instagram? Yeah, it's at Hollow Kindness. MySpace. Uh, Frederick United. <laughs> oh, I might be on that, but you, you don't want to hit me. Yeah. Oh, did I tell you? I got my ancestry DNA test results back. Oh, you never told me. I, I genuinely didn't tell you. No. Are you, are you fake surprising for the podcast or no. not? Okay, so I got my ancestry DNA uh, test results back, and apparently I'm mostly British. And I was a bit. I was a bit disappointed. Uh, I was. Yeah, I, I had some German. I had some Dutch. We knew that already. I had some. Yeah, I know. I know. So I had some Western European. I had some British. The bit that surprised me: two percent Scottish. Yeah, genuinely. So I'm more percent two, Scottish than I thought. Two percent Scottish. What do you mean? No, you are. Because mummy's. Uh, like, sorry, uh, I'm, I'm now talking just directly to Charlotte. Um, Cassie, Charlotte's mum, Cassie, is um, quite a lot of Scottish. I'm no Scottish. Well, no, I, I thought I was no Scottish, and now I know I'm 2% Scottish. And you're now probably, I don't know, 40% Scottish, something like that? Maybe. 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 What are you just throwing across your bedroom? My socks. <laughs> 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 Is it uncomfortable to podcast in socks then, or what? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. All right, okay, okay. I reckon that's the Scottish in you, the forty percent Scottish. Okay, I don't want to wear, I don't want to wear socks on a podcast. Oh, oh no. Oh, oh no. We've lost our Facebook Live connection. Oh, we're back on. We're back on. Uh, so yeah, so I am I am mainly um, I am mainly Scottish, and I'm not mainly Scottish. I'm two percent <laughs> Scottish, and you are probably forty odd percent Scottish. So the question of the podcast, question just to confirm, <laughs> is uh, it's been World Book Day recently. Um, so uh, based on the fact that it's been World Book Day, if you could go dressed up today or on Monday or whenever you're listening to this um, uh, uh, dressed at work to your favourite book character as your favourite book character who would you go as? And weirdly Mike Christie who is watching on our Facebook Live as we host this um, uh, did go as a character in World Book Day because Mike um, Mike's a teacher and Mike went as the cat in the hat, which is an amazing... I, I'd like to walk into my office as the cat in the hat one day. Who would oh, you... Because you don't do dressing up. No, we're not allowed anymore. to. Um, I don't know. I think I'd have trouble deciding. I think I'd do something simple and easy to do. I, I'd go as Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> oh, I've done that already. Oh, oh. I love Arthur Dent. Oh, oh, well, I, up in a dressing gown. I, I could, I could get away with Arthur Dent. Just bowl up in a dressing gown and just, and just go from there. So... So I um I think I'd go as Arthur Dent, I might go as Katniss Everdeen because I've really shocked people doing that. Um or I'd go as somebody from one of my favourite books ever and a series that I'm reading at the minute, The Giver. 
book in the uh in the yeah, four Claire's part the series of the last book, yeah but like so i i i might read that and we'll we'll see how we go however 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 that's who i'd go as arthur dent or a really shocking um a really shocking katniss everdeen um and apparently mike dresses up often as a woman <laughs> as his book choice uh of the of the week so well, maybe you should do something um, oh, is there any female characters that would shock someone? God is like Hermione Granger. Do that one. <laughs> I, you want me to turn up at work dressed as Hermione Granger? <laughs> Genuinely. No, oh, I know. Cruella Deville. Cruella Deville. <laughs> Bowling into the office. But she doesn't scare you, no, even then well. Okay, thanks for that rendition. Appreciate that. So, um, so we've we've done the question in the podcast. We've done how people can get in touch with us. We've done um, the intros. We need to do. We I've told you I'm two percent Scottish for the first time ever. I should have probably done that off the podcast, but never mind. Um, should we uh, talk about? Merch. 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 Oh yeah. If you just go to the kindnessproject.co.uk, merch is on there, isn't it? Yeah, it just says merch. It just says merch at the top. And you can get t shirts, towels, um uh an ashtray. (laughs) No, you can't get any of those things. Apart from t shirts. Apart from t shirts, you can get a a cool a cool kindness project t shirt. Um uh, if you want so uh, if you want a kindness project piece of merch we would recommend the t-shirts a hundred percent a hundred percent polyester um, are they? No, no i think they're actually quite good quality cotton um but um a hundred percent of the proceeds because we are the kindness project profit uh well it's all profits because we don't make them, do we? Oh, yeah, so 100% of the money we receive from um, Kindness Project merch goes into Charlotte's Pot. I mean, charity goes to charity. It, it, does, it does. You're not getting any of the cash. All right? I'm giving it away. Why are you looking at me like that? Like, you you should actually no, have some of the proceeds. No, you're not getting any of it. We, we are going to genuinely give the proceeds away to charity. You ready to move on? I'm ready to move on. Let's do it. Yeah, I like bacon pancakes too. Should we get on with uh, kindness news? Why are you talking about bacon pancakes? Song. Who's do who sings making bacon pancakes? Adventure time. Oh, adventure time. Making bacon pancakes. I take some bacon and I put it in a pancake. I, I like the idea of bacon. Should we make some bacon pancakes? Bacon pancakes. Sounds good to me. All right. <laughs> what uh, do you want to do? The jingle and the. Uh, international editions now i think you're cheating because we've already had quite a few international editions every time you pick a news article from a foreign country you just call it international edition yeah basically like can't you can't we just start doing editions from specific countries around the world when I managed to find that many stories from one specific country. I'm sure you will. There's a lot of people in Spain or Italy or France or Germany or even... Yeah, but my first, my first 
first article that is literally called Kindness Has No Nationality. Oh, right, okay, go on then, tell me. Let, let, me, let me readjust my screen so I can actually see my article. A Fresno resident said he's not a hero after giving a customised wheelchair to a Russian man he saw struggling during... A Russian man? Where was he rushing to? To watch a World Cup soccer game, but he's a Russian. A Russian, okay. For many Russians beg to differ. Uh, a viral video from Russian news site Talk shows the moment Abel Vera delivers a customed customised wheelchair to the Russian man who has been riding an older looking chair. The video shows the man enjoying his new chair and testing it out in front of Vera. Did he do a wheelie? Oh. The video draws thousands of reactions and video shares. Vera gave a longer interview about the chair donation to another Russian news site, TV Rain. <laughs> Delivery was made June 21st in Moscow. Vera told the B on Saturday. What is it with these Russians and their weird <laughs> news channels? TVB. The rain. It was during an eight-day trip to Russia. Vera, a soccer fan, said that he witnessed the Mexico, Germany, and Iceland Atlantic games during his stay. Okay, cool. So a Russian man gives a wheelchair. No. Oh, a Fresno man a f- gives a Russian man a customised wheelchair. Very nice. I like it. What's your next piece of international news? Klimkin and delegation of Ukraine children present Book of Kindness in Lithuania. Okay. Ukraine and Lithuania. We could have done the Baltic States edition, couldn't we? Because we've gone from Russia to Eastern Europe. We could have done Eastern Europe edition, couldn't we? In Trakai, Lithuanian Foreign Minister Linus... I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. Linus, you will remain anonymous because your surname's too complicated. Linkovic, yes. Oh, let me let me have a look. Let me give it a go. Linus Linkovicius. <laughs> Where did you do it? Linus Linkovicius. <laughs> I think it's Linus Linkovicius. Right, has met with Ukraine for a minute. Anyway, <laughs> don't upset Linus by mispronouncing his name I'm and moving sorry, on. Linus. Uh, Linus met with Ukraine Foreign Minister Pavlo Klimkin and a, and a delegation of Ukrainian children who presented the Book of Kindness project. Pass. Pass. Right. We're recording the podcast here, darling. Okay, I think you can see it. Yeah, we can. I can hear it. I can see it on the thing. It's not wiggly line. Right. Yeah. S- can you start, Russ? Can you cut that bit out? And Charlotte, can you start at Linus Linkovicius? In Trakai, Lithuanian Foreign Minister Linus Linkovicius. <laughs> <laughs> it's now got a bit of a tune to it. Linus Linkovicius. Has met with Ukraine Foreign Minister Pavlo Klimkin. Oh, boring. Boring, Pavlo. Why have you not got a tuneful name? <laughs> Linus Linkovicius. Pleasure to receive young guests from UK, led by my friend Pavlo Klimkin, and learn about <laughs> the best, the Book of Kindness project, which promotes peace and tolerance. What is Do the I Book of Kindness project? Hell if I know. <laughs> uh, we don't know what the Book of Kindness project is. Another well-researched piece of kindness news from Linus Linkovicius. And Klimo Klinchkin, what's his name? Let me continue. Oh, sorry. As might say in this next line. Um, Lithuania wishes peace to brotherly Ukraine and continues to stand by its people in the face of its ongoing Russian aggression. Ugh, something went wrong. On January the 10th to the 11th, Ukraine Foreign Minister Pavlo Klimkin pays a working visit to the Republic of Lithuania. First to see his friend. Yeah, Linus, Linus. Linkovicius. <laughs> the purpose of the visit is to participate in the annual discussion club snow meeting that is platformed to discuss topical issues related to the current 
challenges in the Europe, into Europe and the world security. So they're mates now. They're mates, Linus and uh, what was the other guy's name? Pavlo. Pavlo, Linus and Pavlo, best friends. They give they give each other a book of kindness, <laughs> bring some children over, have a good time, probably have a few beers, talk about moan about Russia. They should be. <laughs> Uh, moaning about Russia edition because obviously the Russian wheelchairs are not up to uh, up to standard and um, one more, one more. oh you got one more is this Russian based Rabbi brings the art of kindness to Joburg oh South Africa be kind they say oh. <laughs> be kind they say I don't know my voice is like some kind of poetic thing be kind they say they're the first in what David Mazintar hopes will ultimately be a series of... Do you intentionally pick news articles with really bizarre, like really difficult no, to pronounce names? bizarre names of... Pretty kind, yeah. Actually, you might the be right. The better your name, the better mm. you are as a person. Yeah. Linus <laughs> we're talking to you. You're amazing. David Mazintar hopes will allude... Uh, oh, it's going blurry now. Oh, that's not so ultimately be a series of 18 art installations it says installations i read it as illustrations installations around johannesburg it's a project to break the spiral of negativity particularly in the city of gold i'm tired of people saying this is a crime city there's nothing worth celebrating i want to motivate them to think differently but most of all just to be kind the artwork follows a poster board campaign that ran for three months last year being suspended over december and january and which will restart in february Oh, it's already gone February. The campaign starts <laughs> in its simplicity, merely injunctions to drivers and passers-by. Tell someone they look great. Oh, cool, I like that. Kind. Complain less, smile more. Make someone a coffee. Call your mum. Call your mum. Especially you, Lena's Linkovicius, because your mum is called... Mrs. Mama Linkovicius is waiting for you, Cole. We are try- just trying to bring our kindness to, to Johannesburg. Mansenta uh, is a firm believer in the overwhelming humanity and compassion of people, especially South Africans. There's a teaching, he says, that if someone does bad, speaks it, or even thinks it, a negative energy is created. On the other hand, if one does good, speaks good, a positive energy is created. So far, 700,000 arcs have been distributed to 2014, with Manister's goal being a million. Cool. Love it. Absolutely, and we loved International Edition a lot, especially the brotherly love of Linus and his mate that we now we can't remember the name of, Charlotte. What's Linus's <laughs> mate? What's, <laughs> what's Linus's <laughs> mate? We'll, we'll, we'll let you know next week. Shall we move on? Yes. Today, we've got the second part of the interview with Lauren Janus. Lauren is a uh, philanthropic coach. She helps people who want to uh, give money um, effectively um, work out what the best place to do with it is. And we, in- we interviewed, the first part of Lauren's interview was last week, uh, and this week we're asking her some uh, more questions, as well as the questions of the podcast. Ooh. Would you like... Yes. Would you like to listen? Yes. Great. And I know when we spoke before, we we had the sort of conversation around it's fine to measure impacts, but actually for more complicated, nuanced challenges in life, you might not be able to do that, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's really, really hard measuring social change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's my husband's a social scientist, and he will tell you the only way, really way, effective way to measure whether or not a, a program is effective is to have a control and a test group, mm. and that's not possible in society mm. all the time. 
So, yeah. Okay, so on, on that, on that, because I, I, I am a, I'm a very, 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 very amateur, uh, I, I've got very, very amateur interest in social psychology. How do we nudge people into being kinder and donating more to good causes? Mm. I would say the most important first step is education and exposure. Okay. So, and this is what I say when I'm trying to explain how I might make my children more charitable. Okay. <laughs> try to try to instill charitable values in them. Yeah. I think at the very beginning, it's it's about exposing yourself to people who are different. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. You know, maybe that's volunteering at a food bank. Maybe it's watching a documentary. Yeah. Maybe, you know, reading a book and yeah. just understanding that right. You know, I've actually got it pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I, I, I completely agree with that. I think part of it is realizing how lucky you are, number one, um, and just, uh, yeah, realizing that, that people who are going through certain challenges that where you can help aren't fundamentally different to you so so yeah. we we we've got this thing in our family where um we 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 always um we always uh, help somebody who's homeless if they're on the street buy them a coffee buy them a bit of food and and trying to help that way um and my seven-year-old started to do it now which i'm super proud of her for doing but when when we have this conversation in our house uh, I always say, you, I, I don't think you realise how potentially close you are to making a couple of different decisions in your life and actually going down a different road. Um, and I think that uh, perception of, oh, it would never be me, when mental health is often such a, a precarious thing, is a, is a dangerous path to, to take, and certainly one that, that, you know, I don't take for granted, and I think it's important to do. What do, what do you do personally to educate your kids about kindness? Um, it's an ongoing, <laughs> an ongoing project. Um, I really have been trying to make sure, number one, that we have a diverse library at home. Yeah. Um, and so we read a lot of books, any kind of books that I can find about refugees, like children refugees. Um, we have a book called The Can Man about a, a homeless man. Um, and really trying to point out when people are struggling and ask them for, for um, examples or ideas of how we could help. Yeah, your yeah. I mean, I I like reading, Lauren, but my seven-year-old likes Captain Underpants at the minute. So, so I I I I I, I genuinely don't know how you get a seven-year-old to read read a book on really somber, serious social issues. But I might give it a go when I go home and see how I get on. There are some really good ones nowadays. Is there? Right. All downers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what would you recommend to as a as a book to talk about with your kids? So. Well, I have, uh, yeah, slightly younger kids. So yeah. um, one of our favorite ones is, uh, yeah, it's an American one called The Can Man. Um, and it's about a kid who helps a, a homeless man. Okay. Um, and then we have another one that's called, I, th I think it's just called Mustafa. 
Okay. And it's about uh, another one where a little boy meets a refugee. Or no, sorry, it's a little girl meets a refugee um, in his community. Okay, okay. I, I, I've got one recommendation for a book about kindness, and Cassie bought it for Sophie, my youngest daughter, quite recently. And it's called Fill Your Bucket. And it's about, it, it's about um, uh, happiness, mental health and just how being good to people and, 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 and decent to people can help you fill your bucket of kindness. It's a really cool little story, actually. It's, re it's really good and, and Sophie's really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, so on the website, I, look, I did a bit of research for this interview and it uh, took a look at the website. Can you help me explain the difference between donor-advised funds and charitable trusts and the, the different ways people can, um, can donate? Yeah, of course. So um, donor-advised funds are a, both, both charitable foundations are charitable trusts and donor-advised funds are charitable giving vehicles, basically. Okay. Um, donor-advised funds are massively popular in the US and when I got to the UK, I kind of, for a while, was looking around thinking, where are all the donor-advised funds? Mm. <laughs> Okay. They're actually growing in popularity in the UK. And what they are, it's it's a basically it's a charitable giving account. So you can put money into it. You set it up through um, lots of charities have them. Vanguard okay. now has one. Um, and you just put money into it. So put a couple hundred pounds in it. Um, and then that money is owned by the donor advised fund. And you have to give it to... Uh, to registered charities. It can only be given back to the charities. You can't take that money back. Okay. Um, on the other hand, a charitable foundation is a standalone organization. So it has a report it has reporting requirements. You take it takes money to set up and run and they're basically kind of a thing you have to maintain. Yeah. So what I I really try to encourage people, anybody who comes to me and says, right, I want to set up a family foundation, um, I, I really try to step back with them and say, all right, let's talk about what that means to you and what you really want to get out of this vehicle. Because at the end of the day, charitable foundations are expensive. Yeah. Expensive, <laughs> expensive to run, you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, the the idea of making a donation is to um, is to do good. And if it's been swallowed up in costs, then it, it, might, it might be a bit of a challenge, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just a pain in the neck. And there are so many good donor advised funds out nowadays. It's okay. easy for that you can set it up within a day, and your whole family can be involved in the gifting. And you can. The, the great thing about it is that it's a charitable savings account. So you put money yeah. in when you can, and then you have ultimate, I mean, unlimited amount of time, basically, to decide where it goes. Okay. And you decide. You've got control of it, right? One hundred percent. Okay. And uh, are there minimum, are there minimum and, and maximum amounts within a donor advised fund? It depends on on the do the sponsor of the donor advised. Okay. Fund. So yeah. A lot of community foundations will have them. Um, yeah, as I say, like UBS and Vanguard have them. Yeah. If you want to go the corp the for profit route, but mm. they're increasingly offered by um, by charities. Okay. Interesting. Um, Help me understand how often the, uh, the clients you work with want to get involved with the money they donate. So they want to actively get involved and potentially put their own time, effort and energy in helping, helping the charity too. Yeah, 
Yeah, this is really common, mm. um, especially with retired or semi-retired people yeah. and also actually millennials who are really looking for ways to become more hands-on with their donations and yeah. offer more of their own skills to the issue. Yeah. So I think with this question, first I'd have to say, as somebody who's worked in the charity sector, um, I can say that it's really hard to find valuable volunteer opportunities for people just kind of off the street or looking for to like help out. Mm. <laughs> so um, that's why I really prefer that people work with organizations that specialize in finding people quality pro bono opportunities. Um, one of my favorite is Taproot Foundation. Okay. We'll match people with um, with skills, with nonprofits or charities that have said, we are looking for somebody who can help us do X, Y, Z. Right. Um, but I mean, if a donor wants, really wants to help a specific charity that's you know, meant a lot to them, um, I really advise them to have a conversation with the charity and talk to them about what they want and what would be most helpful to them because charity workers are usually hugely overworked and I think you just really have to be cognizant of the fact that you don't want to add to their workload by yeah. adding volunteer management onto it. Yeah, 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 yeah. spot on. So it, it, it's making sure that you're adding value as opposed to taking it away in terms of, in terms of just creating another job for somebody. <laughs> Exactly. Okay. If if money was no objection, what charities would you support? Sorry? If money was no objection, oh. what charities would you support? All of them. <laughs> um, no, I think, um, I think I would really talk to my spouse about it, and yeah. we would probably try to focus some long-term funding on the, the issues that are most, in, on the charities working on the issues that are most important to us. So in this case, it would probably be judicial reform in the US, okay. um, and probably some form of environmental protection. Okay, so I realized after you answered that, that that question is a bit rubbish, because if money was unlimited, you could support everything, couldn't you? So I, I'm never gonna ask that question again. Um, uh, but, to dream of. Yeah, yeah, yeah ab absolutely. So let, let me ask a, a follow-up question on that. Uh, penal reform in the US, you'd, you don't think it's fit for purpose now. If you had a magic wand and you could change the rules immediately, what would you do? I can't say that I am informed enough about the pro about the problem right now to say this I know this is a solution to the problem okay. but I know that the problem is is that minorities in the US are incarcerated at three yeah. times the rate of, of whites yeah um, and that is to me fundamentally wrong mm. so I am looking for charities that are addressing this issue in a reasonable and hugely informed way yep do, do you think the challenge you've got is is the fact that that's quite a political hot potato it is but actually <laughs> strangely um it's it's kind of become a bipartisan issue in the u.s yeah yeah um, because conservatives are um are kind of hopping on board to this this yeah. idea of getting people out of prisons yeah so in my mind it's a way of compromise um mm. I think it's quite down, low down the list of both political parties at this uh, right Priority-wise, yeah. Um, you, you know what's interesting? There was an amazing documentary, and I can't. I read it. I watched it on Netflix about a couple of years ago now. Don't know if it's still on there. And it took a guy from a Danish pr prison and took him over to the US. And the and the Danish system was 
designed, and I know the, I know I know the society is different and culture is different in Denmark. It's a bit cooler, um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, the um, Danish system was all about how do we rehabilitate people so that they can be um, uh, healthy contributors to society. Um, yeah. And it was really interesting because there was an element in the documentary that um, where they they let the prisoners design the prison they believed would be best for them. And the guy from Denmark just stood up at the end and said, if you just move the cafeteria there, that's what our prison looks like. And it was interesting how just that focus on uh, prison, not as a punishment, but prison as a place to help people integrate back into society was... Like uh, just engaged a bit of a conversation and debate, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, do you think part of the problems that prisons are industrialised in in the US now? That oh, that prisons are so industrialised, like they're owned by corporations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. They have, yeah. a, they have a reason to uh, a reason to keep the status quo. Yeah, cells occupied. Yeah. What well, what's the greatest misunderstanding about philanthropy? Uh, can I have two? Yep. Okay. So my first one is that you that you need loads of money to be a philanthropist. Okay. And I think that is entirely incorrect because if you've got an issue that's really important to you, say it's wildlife protection, and so you give ten pounds a month to a charity whose mission and kind of theory of change you're totally on board with, yep. then you're a philanthropist, and that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I think that. Philanthropy, the word philanthropy needs to be come out of the, the upper class and come down to uh, lower levels yeah. because anybody can make an impact. It's giving, isn't it? That's what that's what you're doing. You're giving to, to help other people. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. I think my second one would be, and this is kind of a, a US-UK thing, but the, I, I think it's interesting that so few people think that giving to political issues is philanthropy. When in fact, one of the most effective ways to bring social change is to have the political leaders and the political will and the laws in place that move your issue forward. So it always surprises me when I talk to, you know, friends in, in the UK about their giving, which you know, because they're British, they don't want to talk too much about uh, about money. But nobody, I haven't run into anybody who's given to a political party or a political issue. Yeah. Whereas in the US, that's very common. I mean, last year was an election year in the US, and that was one of the biggest donations we made was to a political outreach organization. Okay, okay, it's interesting. Um, do you reckon, well, why do you think that is? Do you think there's a mistrust of political don donations and donations to, to uh, organizations that are designed to make political change? Why do you think that is? I mean, it's a good question. It's one I still kind of struggle with. I think that a lot of it is cultural, that okay. Americans are just much more ha much more comfortable talking about politics and money and their yeah. their beliefs than traditionally British people are. Interesting. So, yeah, I okay. think it's just, um, just, yeah, cultural. Okay, cool. So uh, I want to I finish on... Um, 
uh, we always uh, let our lis uh, listeners know where they can find out more about you. But before we do that, on the um, on the podcast, every single week we have a uh, question of the podcast, and it's not kindness related. Typically, it's related to um, it, it can be related to anything. So I'm going to just put you in the hot seat. Uh, Lauren, and give you some random questions that we've asked on the podcast last year. So, um, what's the best use of an egg? Decorating for Easter. Okay, okay. I, I, I've got this great. I mean, I, I think omelettes are amazing, actually. And I was, having, I, was having a, I was having a conversation in my office today with uh, Brooke, who works with me, and apparently she makes the best omelette in the world. I'd have to disagree, and we're, we sort of agreed to have a inter-office omelette challenge. So I don't know how we're going to... Uh, we are, we are. It's going to be the great British omelette off in our in our office coming up. So, um, what's your favourite piece of trivia? That's a really good one. Um, Do you want to come back to that? We'll come back to that. Yeah. Okay. What would your superhero name and superhero power be? Well. When I was seven, yeah. I felt like if I could have any superpower, superpower in the world, I would have two. I would have super long hair and the ability to fly. Amazing. What would the super long hair do? I just really wanted long hair, and my mom would <laughs> make me cut it. <laughs> but they wouldn't like perform like a Rapunzel style, like sort of rope effects or anything like that. Just long hair, yeah. That yeah, that would be more useful. But yeah, okay. no, I just wanted it. <laughs> Okay, one of the most controversial questions we've ever asked, and it remains controversial, controversial who's the best Muppet? Um, the Swedish chef. Oh, good. Would you, right, and, and the other controversial element of that is, would you include characters out of Sesame Street as Muppets or not? No, they're not Muppets. <laughs> Clear. Straight down the line. Definitely not Muppets. <laughs> I like it. Well, some, I mean, I, 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 some people had like the uh, Oscar the Grouch and the Count, and I'm not convinced that, that was in there. What's your um, favourite work of art? Uh, I gotta say, I'm an impressionist girl, so oh. I really do like the Monets. Okay, brilliant. I went to uh, Monet's Garden in France a couple of years ago. Have you been? Oh, no, I have Oh, it's amazing. Uh, hour, and a, hour and a half outside Paris. Um, they've got some of the water lilies in the, um, in the house, but you wander around the garden and it's, being like, it's like being in a Monet painting. It's amazing. You've got to go. You've definitely got to go. Um, uh, I've turned into a travel podcast all of a sudden. I don't know when that happened. Um, okay, so the next one is, what's your favourite funny TV show? enough my husband and I are watching all of the Seinfelds right now. Okay. I, you know what? I've never got into it. Well, what's 
so funny is neither of us did when it okay. came out in the 90s. We talk about how we thought it was really dumb, but yeah. now we're watching it and we find it hilarious. So you might want to try giving it another go. Uh, I might give it another go. What I do like is comedians in cars getting coffee. That is oh, yeah, that's a- actually amazing. Um, okay, um, let me just give you a couple more, a couple more newer ones. Let's have a look. Um, uh, what's your guilty pleasure? Um, it's really boring, but it's dark chocolate. Oh, love it. Absolutely good. Um, and uh, who would you swap lives with for a week? Oh. Uh, oh gosh. Actually, okay, I would swap lives with my two-year-old. <laughs> That is a great answer. That is an amazing answer. I mean, like being as carefree as a two-year-old is just just brilliant, isn't it? Just brilliant. It would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great stuff. And last one, as we're recording this relatively early in the new year, um, what's your aspirations, plans, and goals for 2019? My my goal is, I actually have been trying to trying to spread this around so people can keep me accountable to it but i want to visit as many scottish castles as we can oh, I, cool. like I just haven't been outside of edinburgh nearly as much as we we need to be can i give you a little tip on that um yeah. there's a there's a castle called uh, dune castle d-o-u-n-e um now it's probably about probably about an hour and a half away from you um, but it's the castle where they filmed Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, um, it's literally an hour, hour and a bit away from you. Now, the good news is, when you get the audio as you walk around the castle, Terry Jones from Monty Python does the audio. That's amazing. So I'd definitely give That's that a really go. Good yeah, and I just realised we've definitely turned into a travel podcast. So before we before we go any further into talking about places we should go, can you tell our listeners uh, how they can find out a little bit more about you? Sure, just visit thoughtfulphilanthropy.com um, or they can follow me on Twitter. I'm just at Lauren Janice. Janice with a U. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed our chat. Thanks, Chris. Me too. Bye-bye. Bye. Cool. Thanks, Lauren. That was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was lots of fun. Yeah, apologies for the questions at the end. I, I, never, I, I never know what I'm going to ask until I ask it. So uh, really fun, actually. So, and, and if you do think of a really good piece of trivia that you want to share with our listeners, send me an email and we'll make sure we put it in the podcast at a later stage. Will do. All right. So that was the second part of the interview. What did you think about Lauren's interview? It was a good end. It was a good end. How about the rest of it? It was good. It was decent. Have you listened to it? No. <laughs> you didn't give me time or the audio. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, shall we move on to the end of the show? Oh yes. Tasmanian. Bit, bit strange. Um. Okay, so, uh, last week's question in the podcast was, what place would you love to visit and would you never visit? Now, can you remember what you said? You said space. You said space, which isn't on the planet. 
You didn't specify when you asked me if it was on the planet. Right, it was in the question. It was in the question. The question was, where on the planet would you love to visit and where in the world would you not like to visit? And you picked two things, one not on the planet and one not on the surface of the planet. At one point last week, Charlotte, you said the core of the Earth. (laughs) I mean, I don't... Genuinely... I don't even know how 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 you'd get down there. Yeah. A big drip, I'd imagine. I don't know. I don't 20 know. Twenty years and a shovel. <laughs> Twenty years and a shovel. Twenty years and a shovel. Is that all it would take? Twenty years. I don't know. I wonder if, uh, any, uh, if you had enough determination, I guess. I, I wonder. I wonder if anybody's just tried digging down. <laughs> And how, how far they've got with 20 years and a shovel. I, I, I genuinely don't know. I genuinely don't know. However, nobody said that, but we did have some answers from last week. So 20 let, years and let, a 20 shovel. 20 years and a shovel. Finally, catch me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were you doing over the weekend, 20 years and a shovel? What have you been up to, 20 years and a shovel? So, um, John said, uh, Cookie, friend of the show, mm-hmm. said he'd love to go to... Japan. Japan. Hi. Off to Japan. Would love to go there for about six weeks and just my, immerse myself in the culture. Well, we're not going for six weeks, Cookie, but we'll let you know what it's we'll like. We'll bring you something back, I hope. Yeah. Japanese flu. Um, <laughs> never. <laughs> never. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Why is it so rude? Japanese flu. Um, Cookie, expect some Japanese flu brought back for you, mate. Um, Kath Kate, friend of the show, said, um, uh, I'd like to go to China, Japan, and Korea, North and South. Would you go to North Korea? No. You wouldn't? No. You wouldn't give that go, no? no. Um, as, it pain, as much as it pains me to say so, I think I've ruled out Venice due to the rampant over-tourism. Yeah, don't go. Yeah. See, we went uh, last year, didn't we, to mm-hmm. Venice, and I don't think I'd go back. I've been no. twice with a 10, 12-year gap, and I think I'm, I'm over Venice now. Well, Mum said the same thing. I agree. You've been to Venice twice and don't plan on going back. There are so many more beautiful places in Italy. And I would, vi- I would visit other places in Italy, but, um, yeah, we'd, uh, we'd have to wait and see. Judith Hitchin said, I've travelled a lot. But I've never done South America and would love to go to Argentina. You know, apparently in Argentina, they do the most amazing steaks. They do a Don't good steak. Cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> 20 years in a shovel, I'll be there. Truth is, <laughs> you to, I never when, when, when are you going to Argentina? 20 years in a shovel. 20 years in a shovel. And for Judith, there's nowhere in the planet she wouldn't visit. Um, Russell said uh, the Amazon rainforest. You can't get your packages from there, mate. Uh, <laughs> the Amazon, the Amazon rainforest. He wouldn't go to the Amazon shipping depot in Tilbury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love to see the workings down there. Well, where would right? Where would you prefer to go, an Amazon warehouse or the Amazon rainforest? <laughs> hmm. Where would you? If somebody said you can only visit 
Either the Amazon warehouse yeah, or... The Tilbury one. Can I not just go to the main one? <laughs> <laughs> I know I can get a, take a little train or a plane down to... Maybe, maybe. Um, so Varaz said the Amazon rainforest. He never mentioned the Amazon warehouse um, because I want to go look at bugs. I don't think there's that many bugs in the Amazon warehouse. Sam Wybrow said South America and any part. And I think he's not too keen on going anywhere near great shark, great white sharks. Oh, why not? They're friendly and docile. What great whites? They don't like eating people. They, te- they hate the taste of human blood. Really? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, Sean Neil Acton said, I'd love to visit New Zealand and Japan and South America has never appealed. And strangely, Selena Hobson, who is a friend of the show now because she's made a few comments, why have you put a duck in front of the Facebook live? Um, right. As, uh, her comments just come up because Selena would love to visit New Zealand and a place she would never visit is Pakistan. She said her dad was from there and we always feared that if he ever took us there, my sister and I would be married off. We do laugh at, about it now. Can I marry you off? Can I, can I, is that allowed? Is that a privilege of fatherhood? <laughs> no? Are we not doing that? Are we not doing that? Okay, okay. That's fine. Never mind. You picked the wrong person. Oh, I've got I've got good taste in people. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I won. So that was all the comments um, uh, for this uh, episode of the Kindness Project. Um, feel free to um, get in touch. Feel free to do what you need to by emailing us or. Uh, send a message on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that, feel free to go on and peruse the merch. Ooh, um, peruse. But until next time, bye. Have a great week. Bye.